You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. As we come to God's word this morning, let's have a word of prayer together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray that we would come to know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life and that these sweet words of comfort would be impressed upon our hearts for our good, but above all for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible is God preaching to us. And here Jesus says something remarkable about himself that he wants us to understand about who he is and what it is that he's come to do. We're able to look in on an intense conversation between Jesus and his disciples. It was just back in chapter 12. Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem, and he's going to Jerusalem for the purpose of dying, and he knows this. And in verse 27 of chapter 12, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled. But here in chapter 14, we find that as he faces his own death, he's the one comforting his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled, he tells them. Believe in God, believe also in me. But that's not all he says. In verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As jarring as it may be to our ears, even repulsive to some of our minds, Jesus said this, and he said it of himself. Now, this passage often gets read at funerals. It's one of the recommended passages in the Book of Common Prayer. And a lot of emphasis is laid on talking about the many rooms that are going to be prepared for the believer who goes to heaven. And that's right and good. But very little is said about no one coming to the Father except through me. And of all times, maybe in the midst of death, It's one of the best things that you could talk about. Because you really can't talk about the mansions without talking about the no one. It's part of the whole conversation that Jesus is having. And you're not going to understand how sweet the room that has been prepared for you, the mansion that has been prepared for you, unless you understand what it is that God went through in order to gain you that heavenly home. And that's what Jesus is saying of himself when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did he really mean it? If he did, to leave out this passage, this verse, or even half of the verse, would not only be to our detriment spiritually, but it would lack integrity as Christians. In 2007, a funeral service was held at the National Cathedral for former President Gerald Ford, 
And in the worship bulletin, it said that John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 would be read. But when the, when the Reverend Robert Certain opened up the Bible, he did read verses 1 through 6, but he left out the second part of verse 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, the gospel of the Lord. And didn't continue on to say that no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I'm not questioning his belief, for the omission was intentional. And in his defense, it might have been some other official who had the ability to say this, that you can read the entire passage, but don't mention that bit about no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You must leave that out. But I do question his position as a minister of the gospel and a steward of God's grace because even if an angel from heaven came and told him to do something contrary to what God's word said, the faithful thing to do would be to deliver the full counsel of God and to read the entirety of that passage. To leave it out is not only trying to keep Jesus quiet, as if Jesus was mistaken in saying it. It's misrepresenting the passage altogether. Why did Jesus, why did Jesus say what he said in verse 6? Well, when you look at it in context, it happens in the midst of a conversation. In fact, Jesus is responding to a question that Thomas has. In verse 5, Thomas asks him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responding to Thomas's fear, to Thomas's uncertainty, to Thomas's desire to know how it is that we get to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, it's not a word of challenge. It's not a word of condemnation. It's not a word of rebuke. It's not a word meant to convict someone that they're wrong. It's a word of comfort and encouragement to a frightened and unsure believer in Jesus. Because it is meant to be for believers. In John chapter chapter 13, verse 31, we read that Judas has left that meal with the disciples to go and to betray Jesus. And so Jesus is speaking to that group of disciples that were putting their trust in him and who had followed him for the last three years of their lives. It's not meant to be heard by unbelievers because you can understand why if an unbeliever hears this, that they're going to be offended. They're going to see it as arrogant. This is what St. Paul meant in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 15 and 16. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among whom those are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. That is, when the truth about Jesus Christ is proclaimed to the believer, it is the sweetest song 
that has ever fallen on a sinner's ears. It is a delight to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Him. But to those who are perishing, it's death. In fact, it's the stench of death. So it doesn't take much for me to understand why the world would be offended by this and why we may want to leave it out and think, Jesus, it's better if you didn't say that at all. But when a believer hears this, they receive it for what it is, a word of hope, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement. Believers don't begrudge that there is only one way to the Father. We rejoice that there is a way. The great miracle of salvation is that anyone is saved. It's a wonder. But when you step back and you actually think about what God went through to get you, to gain you that place in heaven, to have fellowship with Him, before the foundations of the earth were laid, Jesus was part of the plan that He would come and give Himself up as a ransom for many, that He would die the death that we deserve and that he would be raised from the dead, conquering sin and death, that we might be able to be made children of God. It's a remarkable thing, and and so I'm just amazed that there's even one way to the Father. I mean, think about this. Imagine you've fallen off an ocean liner. And as you flail in the water and as your lungs begin to fill up with water, all of a sudden somebody throws you a lifeline. Would you in your dying breaths yell, I want options. I want a different choice. I don't want to have to rely on the one way that has been presented to me that will save my life. It would be utter foolishness to think that way. And yet so often that is the response when the offer of salvation is held out in Jesus Christ. And if you don't wonder at your own salvation and can't see it for the great miracle that it is, of course you're going to come at this verse in the wrong way. Now, this is not the only question that Jesus answers. He answers a second question, a follow-up to what he has said in verse 6. Philip says to Jesus in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Who is Jesus? I mean, this is the question that Philip is asking because Jesus has just claimed for himself something that no one else could rightfully claim about themselves. No human being could say what Jesus has just said. No one can come to the Father but by me. And then he goes on to say, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Because think about the great faithful in the, Bi- uh, in the Bible where there is a thought that this person might be the Messiah or that this person might be a God themselves. 
Two examples of this would be John the Baptist. And yet when confronted with the question whether or not John might be the Messiah, what did he say? I must decrease in order that he might increase. Behold the Lamb of God. Don't behold me. I'm not unworthy to untie his sandals, but look to him. I baptize with water, but he baptizes you with something greater, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Or when Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra in the book of Acts, and they thought that Paul must be Hermes and Barnabas must be Zeus, Paul tears his clothing. And so Philip asked Jesus, Show us the Father and it's enough for us. I just want to make sure that I've heard rightly what you've said. You've claimed divinity for yourself, and, and, and I know that, that we've had these conversations before, but, but this is much more intense than we've ever had it, and I'd like to hear straight from you exactly what it is that you mean by that. I don't want anyone else to explain it away. I don't want anyone else to speak for you, Jesus. I want you to tell me what you mean when you say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, and that I and the Father are one. And so hear this. This is what Jesus says. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The only one who can bring us back to God, the only one who can make a way when there was no way, is God himself. That's who the disciples are beholding in their presence. Not just some mere man, but God himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life. All of it is embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ. An accessible God made all the more accessible by His death and resurrection. If you want to know God, you must know Jesus. You can't know God apart from Him. That's what Jesus is saying about Himself. The great Scottish theologian Thomas F. Torrance was a chaplain during World War II, and in the midst of a battle, he was trying to minister to those dying soldiers and found himself at kneeling next to a young man as he died. And the young soldier looked up at him and said, Padre, is God really like Jesus? And Torrance answered him, Jesus is the only God that there is. You see, in the midst of the battle, while this young man died, Torrance didn't have time to try to explain away Jesus or even to express his own grappling. This man wanted an answer. Is God really like Jesus? Jesus is the only God there is. Torrance was simply echoing What Jesus said when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Unspeakable words of comfort for those of us who understand the great miracle that is our salvation. And unspeakable words of dread to those of us who are perishing. 
But I hope this morning you might hear Jesus' words anew because when Jesus says no one, He's also opening up the door to anyone and everyone. When he says, no one comes to the Father except through me, does he, do you understand that what he's saying is that there is no restriction or barrier to anyone who would come unto me? And those who come are brought into relationship with God by my cross and resurrection. Those who come to me, I will in no wise turn out. All who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. All those who know yourselves as sinners, come unto me, for I came into the world to save sinners. Come unto me, and without money, buy and eat and drink of the banquet that I have prepared for you. And so when you hear, no one comes to the Father but by me, it is actually a gracious invitation. Come and claim your miracle, to use the words of the televangelists. The miracle of salvation in Jesus Christ. Will you come this morning? Will you stop pursuing all of these false options that lead you away from God, that are no way, that are a lie, and that provide not life but death? Will you say, Jesus, I come to you with a great burden that is offensive to me as I know it is even more offensive to God. But I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. And with but a word, by your stripes I know I am healed. Will you come this morning and know Jesus and thereby know the living God and be made his child and walk this way and to know this truth and to live this life only through Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you blind and ignorant. We don't know where we're going, but Lord, you don't leave us to ourselves, and so we pray that your Spirit would work mightily in our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Make the scales fall away that we might behold Jesus as who he is, the living God, the one who has died the death that we deserved and has been raised to new life so that we might know true life, that we might know a true way to the Father. And Lord, we do pray that we would lay claim to this. Lord Jesus, call us unto you. And Lord, give us the courage to follow after your voice that we indeed might be made your children by coming to the Father through you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.